Welcome to the HR Chat Show, one of the world's most downloaded and shared podcasts designed for HR pros, talent execs, tech enthusiasts, and business leaders. For hundreds more episodes and what's new in the world of work, subscribe to the show, follow us on social media, and visit hrgazette.com. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum, and in this episode, we welcome back Ben Eubanks. Ben is an HR analyst, author, fellow podcaster, chief research officer at Lighthouse Research and Advisory, and as a human capital management industry analyst, Ben helps companies and vendors with strategy, content, and a whole bunch more. He's been a speaker now for, gosh, over a decade at such events as the Sherm Annual Conference, ADT Technology, and the HR Technology Conference. He's actually got an event coming up uh, coming up tomorrow, I think, as, as we're recording this one. Um, previously, Ben worked as an in-the-trenches leader in the HR field with smaller organizations, government contracting firms, and the non-profit sector. And I just want to add, listeners, that I've got a huge amount of respect for Ben. I think I think he creates amazing content, and uh, he's just thoroughly a nice guy with a pretty cool accent. Hey, Ben, welcome back to the show. Wait a minute. I know the accent, Bill. Hold on a second there. Good to be with you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to be able to talk to you again, Ben. It's been a little while since we've had you on the show. I, I would I would suggest to our listeners, uh, check out the other interview uh, with Ben on the HR Chat Pod if you want to learn loads about him and what he gets up to. But um, Ben, why don't you just take a minute or so to to reintroduce yourself to our, to our audience? Sure. So I'm so excited to be here, Bill, and everyone out there listening in. I'm glad to be here with you as well. So I'm an author, I'm a speaker, and I'm a researcher. I live in Huntsville, Alabama, here in the States. And the work that I do all is confined to the spectrum of work and employment. How do we support employees? What's going on with employers? What technologies are we using to support our people? All those kind of things. Um, I even have a new book that'll be coming out very soon called Talent Scarcity, which really looks at how to answer the question that I've heard more from talent leaders in the last two years, which is where are all the people? So I've done a lot of research on that, digging into it and have some really interesting and compelling findings to share around that that I'm so excited about. And as you said, I run a podcast as well called We're Only Human, where I've had you on in the past, Bill, as a wonderful conversation, a way to talk about how we support the community. So I still have people coming back to me saying, hey, I love that show. And so I want a hat tip to you here, even though I'm on your show, just to, to let everybody else know they know you here, but you're appreciated all across the spectrum. Okay. So as part of part of my homework ahead of this conversation today uh, i was all over your linkedin profile looking at your recent posts and, and sessions that you've been up to and presenting uh, and i've got a quote here from you and it goes as follows while there are some core concepts that remain critical such as respect fairness and so on the way companies approach it is continuing to go deeper than the old-fashioned and ineffective diversity quota on hiring now in an october 2022 session hosted by you and george rogers you you talk with some leaders and experts that are pushing the boundaries when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And you also unveiled some of your new research on the topic, shedding light on what contributes to employee belonging and what it means in terms of retention, performance, and more. Can you can you now tell me a bit about that session and some of your findings? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that we did this year is we really looked at 
what's going on in the workforce. So we did more research, more, more surveys to that population than we ever have before. And we did one even to the frontline workers. How are they feeling? What's connecting with them at work? How do they feel they're tethered or untethered when it comes to their job and the company? And one of the things that we did this time around was we actually asked a question there around how they felt about their belonging. And so the actual scientific definition of belonging is, I feel accepted, respected, and appreciated. And for those people, we asked them how they felt about that and then ranked their answers, sorted the data by that. And we found some really compelling things for those people who feel high belonging at work and those that feel low belonging, right? Some things that we would absolutely expect to see, we saw things like, I feel like my manager supports me. Much more likely to say yes to that if you're high belonging than, than not. But we also saw some other things as well. Like if your company offers you technology and tools to help you manage your work life, you're much more likely to feel like you're connected, like you belong because they're helping you feel like you have a home. You have a place where you, you are seen, you are heard, your voice counts, all those kinds of things. And so we saw all these really incredible things in there. One of them that stuck out to me was around when an employee has a chance to give their feedback to the company or their feedback to their manager, right? Those, we all know that great companies allow their people to give feedback. They ask their people questions. They take that with an open kind of open mind. Let's see what they have to say. But we found that those people who are able to give feedback in a way that aligns with their personal preferences are those that have the highest belonging scores. And what I mean by that is if, let's say, Bill, you want to give your company feedback on what's going on. I want to share an idea. I want to tell you, hey, there's I've got a friction point in my, my work tasks. If you want to do that once a month, let's say, and your company only asks you once a year, those things are misaligned. And that misalignment means you're more likely to have a low belonging score because they don't, they're not allow, allowing you to share on your own terms, on your own frequency. But the more those two things are in, all, in alignment, let's say you want to share on a quarterly basis and they ask you on a quarterly basis, you're much more likely to feel like you're connected. So we saw some really incredible things around belonging there and how to create an environment for people that has the right, the right tools, the right manager support, all those kind of things that make them feel like they're really connected to the company. This episode of the HR Chat Show is supported by Worksinga. We all want to hire for culture fit. Now you can. The Worksinga team of clinical psychologists and psychometricians has created a culture fit assessment that is more comprehensive than any other pre-employment assessment in the market today. We show both company and candidate their level of alignment based on 26 unique characteristics specific to the workplace. Companies that hire based on alignment will reduce attrition, increase productivity, and boost creativity within their organization. Start getting to know the humans behind the resumes by checking out WorkSinga.com, following us on socials, and subscribing to the Zinga Effect newsletter to get weekly content from the WorkSinga science team. Okay, here's another quote from you. Uh, because you're such an awesome guy. I just like to keep putting these quotes. Uh, and it goes as follows. If we want more good ideas, a greater sense of belonging, and an opportunity to connect deeply with our people, we need to create the right environment where they can raise their voice and contribute without fear or judgment. I, this being Ben Business, I recently wrote a piece for the team at Workplace from Meta on this called The Democratic Workplace. In this article, I touched on the PRESS, P-R-E-S-S, framework for transparency, how leaders can commit to openness, and whether this will ultimately lead to chaos. So my question for you, Ben, is can you tell me about this PRESS framework and how it can help foster work environments that do embrace innovation, collaboration, and free thinking? Absolutely. So what's fun for me is this this press framework, I developed it 
maybe four or five, six years ago, even now. And it was originally primarily about transparency when it comes to pay. Because I was talking to employers who were very concerned about, well, we want to be more transparent, but goodness, we don't want to just open everything up. That's kind of scary. And so I helped them with this to try to understand that it's not about saying we're going to just flip a switch and everything's going to be open and you can see anything. No, it's about where are we on the spectrum and how can we continue to move towards a more open, a more transparent sort of workplace. And I've recently adjusted that model to be a little more about transparency across the spectrum because there's lots of things that the workforce wants to know from their employer that they want to understand they want to feel like their company is open and transparent and this is about helping them do that so the press framework is just a, a set of steps that helps you think about the, the pieces in those in that puzzle to do that as an employer so process what processes do we have around this to make sure we have this very clearly laid out it's not someone asked us it's not like creating the wheel all over again we know what that looks like at our company um, the range, we have this set of guardrails for decisions we're making so that we know what is in and out of that range. Equity, fairness needs to be front and center, whether it's in a pay decision or another decision about promotions internally or anything else. How we take feedback from our employees, to go back to the point a minute ago. Stretch is the first S. So always be looking for something to push the boundaries a little bit. I encourage leaders, if you're completely comfortable with everything you're sharing right now, you may need to amp it up just a bit share something that makes you a little bit uncomfortable because we're being extra open with our people because that really stands out from a worker perspective we see those people that have a company that is more open they're more likely to trust the company they're more likely to believe they're fair and equitable and they're more likely to want to stick around and the last s is solicit so just asking people for feedback asking them for inputs hey what other things do you want to know from us and how can we make sure that we're sharing those as from an employer perspective in a way that make you feel comfortable make you feel satisfied about working here and one of the interesting things we see in the data going back to the belonging piece a minute ago is that when someone is doing this when an employer is doing this the people who are high belonging are about five times more likely to recommend that company as a great place to work to family and friends so this isn't just about saying, oh, let's all hold hands and sing together and yeah, it's all happy. It also leads to these other outcomes and solves problems that employers have been struggling with, especially in the last two years. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Now that in a recent recruiting study, you asked the question, what metrics are you using most often? Um, what, what, are, what are the findings, Ben? And do you agree with the people analytics focus of and hiring metrics used by most organizations? This is one that gets me a little bit worked up. So most companies are using things like time to fill, right? They're using those common metrics. They've been around for a very long time. And the challenge I have with a, a metric like time to fill is it is nothing more than a subtraction of the beginning date when that requisition opened from the end date when it actually closed. That's all it is. It doesn't calculate any of the effort, any of the creativity, any of the Right? brilliant ideas that come from that recruiting team or how they're approaching this or the service oriented approach they're taking to making sure every candidate gets a response. None of those things are calculated in a time to fill number. So I'm always encouraging employers to use that only if they're using other things that are more mature metrics like quality of hire. Is a person showing up? Are they able to do the job? Do we pick the right one? Are they sticking around You know, for some period of time? could be a year it could be six months depending on the tenure of that company but if this person's sticking around i'm much more interested in quality of hire and what i find in when i ask employers what metrics are you using and then which ones do you think are most valuable for demonstrating what you're doing and the value you bring to the business as a function 
people say quality of hire is the best at demonstrating value, but they're not using it as often as they, as they should. So that's my encouragement. There's the things we've been doing, the things we've been measuring don't always demonstrate that value as well as some of the others. And we need to get into looking at what's the real quality. I know it's hard. I know it's really difficult because most companies are saying, I just need a person. I just need a body. Please just, who you can fog and mirror. Great. We just need you to fill this role for some period of time because we are struggling. Yet in the middle of that, if we're picking the right one, if we're picking someone that's a high quality person, they'll perform better. They'll stick around longer. They'll be more engaged. They'll be more likely to refer others. Like the compound interest of a great employee is what I call it. That's what we're looking for. And that's what we should be looking for. Okay. So just a quick follow-up on that one. What, what are the, what are the, the metrics to measure culture fit? Um, I, I, I do a lot of interviews these days with folks who are very focused on the, this idea of culture fit. You know, someone coming into an organization and um, getting the, to use Simon Sinek type language, getting the why of the business, but also adding to that and and um, hopefully diversifying it and, and creating a bigger outlook of what their business could be. But what, how do you quantify that? That's a great question. So the data we have show that the, one of the best ways to do that is through some some sort of hiring assessment. So if you really know what your company is about, you know what the, the team is, you're going to be adding this person to, you know, those kind of dynamics and what sort of characteristics and traits already exist there. You can say, hey, I want to hire someone that aligns with this team or that maybe complements this team. They fill some gaps that this team has. I've worked on, I worked in a team in the past and everyone on that team was very structured very deliberate they made slow decisions and there are times where that's absolutely needed that is not my skill set at all that's not how i'm wired and so when i came in there was a lot of friction because i like to make fast decisions i like to try new things i like to experiment i'll try it for a week it doesn't work okay let's discard that and go somewhere else and for them it was no we've got a, a pilot has to last six months at a minimum and so we cr- created all this friction for us and that's an example of how we, if they had hired me knowing those sorts of things, they may have not have all at all hired me, number one. But if they had hired me knowing those things on the front end, they may have made that an easier process because they would have known what to expect. And so for those employers that are saying, we don't want us to hire for our culture fit, we want to hire for a culture ad, someone that's going to come in and they're going to align with our values as a company, but they're going to bring these other traits and these other behaviors or these other things we don't have, that... Absolutely. There's a ton of great assessments out there that really help to align with those things and help employers have a clearer view of what each of those people are really about. As a listener of the HR Chat Podcast, you might be interested in ways to make digital HR simple and streamlined. Founded in 2008, Applaud is the workforce experience layer driven by a mission to create HR technology focused completely on the employee. Applaud's layer is designed to support your existing HR services, reigniting your existing HR technology to deliver one united workforce experience. Learn more at applaudhr.com. Now, listen, in early 2022, because it's been a little while since you and I caught up, Ben, in early 2022, you published the, the second edition of Artificial Intelligence and HR, Use AI to Support and Develop a Successful Workforce, the updated book tries to answer how can HR professionals understand the variety of opportunities that AI has created for the HR function and how best to implement those in in their organization. Tell me about the second edition, Ben, and some of the hope for learning outcomes. So I think the the big picture is the, the learning outcomes for the second book are the same as that first edition, which is I want to educate HR and talent leaders out there who are thinking about, they've heard about the AI in the, in the headlines, they're not sure what that means for us as a profession. 
that's why I wanted to write this book because the people I saw out there talking about this were like talking about it like an engineer talks about it. And I have, I do a lot of work around technology. I talk to 300 plus vendors a year. I I'm deeply steeped in this, but it all comes from the perspective of I worked as an HR leader and I'm always filtering it through that lens. And so I wanted something through that lens for each of the HR leaders out there to help them understand how technology, how tools can help us to create more human, more personal work experiences, which sounds like a paradox, honestly, because the technology seems like it would get in the way of that. But if we can see someone and really understand what they're about and the algorithms are better than humans at that, we actually did an experiment that proved that out. If the algorithms can do those things, then we get to turn our attention and our effort to really connecting with them, really engaging them, really building a culture that we're proud of developing leaders who are ready to take the next step inside the business. All those things that we want to get to, we're always bogged down in the day-to-day. We don't quite get around to it. That is my hope for anyone who who finds that. And so the new the new book was just a, the hard part about writing a book on technology is the day I turn in the manuscript, the next day something happens like, oh, that would have been great to include. So the second edition was a way to wrap in some of those really incredible stories that have happened as that has continued to advance in the last few years. Thank you. Okay, it's that time of the interview when if i'm interviewing a fellow podcaster um, i like to give them a bit of podcast love uh, because why not right that's what we're all about we're about sharing sharing the knowledge listeners don't don't be proprietary about these things any podcasters out there who um, do not take that approach because that, because what well, i disagree with it anyway um so ben you mentioned your podcast briefly earlier on i've had the pleasure of being on it and i had a great experience and i know that your audience loves uh, what you talk about and, and the guests that you have on this show. The, the podcast is called We're Only Human. Can you maybe take a minute or so and tell our listeners about the pod and name two or three guests that you that have left you with a some sort of big impact or uh, made you think about things in, in, in a different way and, and tell us why. And um, as kind as it is, don't mention me. You've had way better guests. <laughs> so... I started the podcast a few years ago, and I can't speak for you, Bill. I'm cur- I'd be curious to know your take on this, but I started the podcast because I was having these amazing conversations with different leaders in the space, sometimes on the vendor side, sometimes they're executives and practitioners, but I just would talk to someone and I would be in- awed and amazed by this discussion. And then I'd have my notes on that I could refer back to, but it was closed off for the rest of the world. No one else could participate or understand what was going on there. They didn't get the takeaways. And so I started having occasional conversations live or I guess recorded where I could share some of those findings back with people. And that's the reason I started doing the podcast in the first place. And even today, it's a key part of the research that I do, helping me keep tabs on what's going on in the space, keep my fingers on the pulse of what the biggest trends are, those kind of things. So for me, that's the reason I started out all those years ago. And one of the guests I want to call out really quickly that I have been influenced by someone who I respect highly and who I actually had as part of that event you were talking about earlier with George Rogers, where we did the, the state of DEI and B. I had uh, Dominique Brewer join me. She's the head of DEI North America for Takeda Pharmaceuticals. And she was on the show back when she was just a recruiter at Takeda Pharmaceuticals. And it was in the middle of 2020 when the world was kind of turning upside down. And one of the things that she did is as a recruiter, she was talking with these different hiring managers about their the processes and supporting them. And she had a hiring manager that said, Hey, there's a conversation, a candidate brought up about this, this diversity, this racial thing that's going on. And I wasn't sure how to handle it. She's like, Oh, that's, that's interesting. Well, the next day, another hiring manager from another department came to her and said, Hey, someone asked me about what's our stance on this racism stuff. 
And so she's like, okay, full stop. We're going to get together as a team. We're going to decide what our answer is. And we're going to make sure that we're all together on this before you respond back to any more candidates on this, this question. And because of that leadership role she took in that, she ended up becoming the head of DEI North America for Takeda. And I love her story because it's an example of taking that thing that's your zone of genius, that area where you are incredible and looking for ways to give value to others because of that expertise you have. And so she's a, a great person, an incredible woman, and someone who I highly respect. And I'm so honored to have had her on the podcast. Awesome. And just finally for today, Ben, how can our listeners connect with and learn more about you? So the easiest way, you can find the website at lhra.io. That's Lighthouse Research and Advisory. That's where I spend most of my time and most of my effort. Um, you can also go to thebenubanks.com just to see some of the other things, the books and other stuff that I'm working on. It's a just a easy place to find me. And I spend most of my time on LinkedIn. If you want to connect, I'd love for you to reach out. Let me know you heard about me on the, the podcast here. And I'd love to connect. Perfect. Well, that just leaves me to say for today, Ben, my friends, it's been nice catching up with you. I've got so much respect for you. You're a lovely bloke. Uh, keep doing what you're doing and we'll chat again soon. I'm very, I'm very sure about that, but for now, thanks very much. Yes, sir. Thank you. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thanks for listening to the HR chat show. If you enjoyed this episode, why not subscribe and listen to some of the hundreds of episodes published by HR Gazette? And remember, for what's new in the world of work, subscribe to the show, follow us on social media, and visit hrgazette.com.